Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Hello, Healing Place. Come on, can you give it up for Jesus like that? Come on, can we just love Jesus right now? Lord, we love you. We magnify you. Oh, it's so good, so good, so good to be here. I send you greetings from Oklahoma Sooners, Boomer Sooner. I don't feel any love in here today. What is, boy, this is a cold church. (laughs) It is so good uh, to be back at Healing Place and one of the most dynamic, life-giving churches in all of America and around the world. This is such an influential church, and you are just doing incredible things. I'm, I'm so excited about hearing about the new campus and want to welcome the Denham Springs campus. How about that launch? How about what God is doing over in Denham Springs? Come on, somebody. The Lord is working, expanding the borders. Lives are being changed. And I just want to welcome uh, that location and what God is doing at all the campuses regionally, internationally. It's just amazing. Record attendance we're hearing about over in the international campuses. And God is just moving in a great way. And how many know you're blessed with great leaders, Mike and Rachel and the team here? You're, you're, you're blessed. God is moving. And God always works through leadership. And can we just take a moment? Your pastors are overseas Ministering, Can we just honor Pastor Mike, Pastor Rachel? Come on, we love you all watching there over in Africa. We love you, we love you, we love you. We honor you as you expand the gospel there in Africa this next week or so. And I, I'm here with my little buddy. I brought my nine-year-old son with me. He's my bodyguard, and uh, he thinks he's tough nails, you know what I mean? And... He's, he's here worshiping and in the kids' area in this service. And matter of fact, I've got a picture of my family. Here's my, here's my crew there. You see my wife. We've been married now 20 years. I know you thought I was 25, but I'm not. That's, that's my girl for 20 years now. And my oldest son there on the far, far left, his name is Kel. He is 14 years old. My next oldest son, the far right, his name is Cade. He is 13 years old, and then my baby girl there, she is she is 11 years old, and then Mr. Case there, he's nine years old. I'm telling you, that is a great crew. I love, 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 love my family so much. I'll tell you, my wife is amazing. She is the barbecue sauce of my ribs. Come on, man, you know what I'm talking about. She's the jelly on my toast. She's the butter on my popcorn. She's the hot sauce on my chitlins. I'm about to preach up in here today. Thank God. He who finds a wife finds what is good. And obtains favor from the Lord. Well, I want to speak to you for a few moments today about I was afraid but God, come on, with everybody at both of our locations today, with everybody shout, but God. 
I was afraid, but God gave me confidence. I was afraid, but God gave me confidence. Father, have your way in these next few moments. Speak to our hearts. Lord, let your word penetrate our lives, our our very beings today. Have your way in these next few moments that we can be all that you've called us to be. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. When God wants to do something powerful, when he wants to do something audacious, when he wants to do something incredible in and through our lives, there is always a hurdle that we have to jump over. And that hurdle is the hurdle of fear. When God wants to do something incredible in your life through our church, we all have to jump over the hurdle of fear. And, and I know this personally in my life. When God is wanting to do something in my life and through my life, I've always had to jump over the hurdle of fear. I think back to 2002 at the age of 26 and my wife was 24 and we felt like God had called us to start a church and we moved from Missouri to Oklahoma City to start a church called People's Church at the age of 26 years old, and we had no clue what we were doing. I had never been a pastor before. I'd never been a youth pastor before. I'd never been on a church staff at all as a kids pastor, associate pastor, never been a lead pastor. We had no church backing us, nobody supporting us, and we moved to start this brand new church, and there was fear. Can we do it? Is it going to work? Is God even with us? We had no clue what we were doing, and I'm telling you, this is not a a story that's in embellished. We had no idea how to start a church, and you know that we didn't know how to start a church because we had a grand opening service on Mother's Day. Don't nobody go to a new church on Mother's Day. They go to their mama's church, but we didn't know that. We launched our church on Mother's Day with 65 people. That's everybody. I mean, that's, that's kids and everybody. That's grandma and everybody, uncle and everybody. 65 people showed up at our first service in a movie theater at Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. I'm so grateful that 16 years ago, although fear had gripped our hearts, that we jumped over the hurdle of fear and started a church called People's Church. And thousands of lives have been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ because we were willing to jump over the hurdle. And all throughout the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, When God was getting ready to do something powerful in somebody's life, you find these four words over and over and over again through the pages of the Old Testament, through the pages of the New Testament. These are the four most common words written in your Bible. And here are those words. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
Let me give you a few examples of this found in the Bible in Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 1. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. God was saying to Abram, do not be afraid of the unknown. I I know I promised you a child. I I know I promised you a land, and you've seen neither, and you're wondering if my promises are going to come to pass. And I'm telling you, Abram, do not be afraid of the unknown. We can look over in the book of Exodus, chapter number 14, and verse 13, and Moses answered the people, do not be afraid afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Israel had just been delivered from 400 years of captivity from the nation of Egypt. They've escaped Egypt and the Red Sea is right in front of them and the Egyptian army is behind them and the word of the Lord comes through Moses, do not be afraid of your enemies. Over in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And God says to this young leader, Moses has just died, the great leader. And now young Joshua is called to lead God's people, and he's a little fearful about leading the people of God. And God says to him, do not be afraid to lead my people. Over in the New Testament, Acts chapter 18 and verse 9, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. God says, do not be afraid to preach the gospel. I believe that's a word for somebody today in your workplace, in in your community, with some of your friends from school. Do not be afraid to share your faith whenever God wants to do something powerful, incredible audacious in and through your life, through Healing Place Church, we always have to jump over the hurdle of fear. Do not be afraid. For for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about three areas where you cannot be afraid so you can accomplish all that God has for your life. Three areas where you cannot be afraid. And I I want to look at the life of Noah for the next few moments and extract some points out of his life to encourage your heart so that you can be what God's called you to be and you can do what God's called you to do. And the first thought is this, is do not be afraid to stand alone. Do not be afraid to stand alone. Or another way I could phrase that is do not be afraid to stand up for God. Let's look at the life of Noah for a few moments in Genesis chapter number 6. And I'm going to pick up reading in verse number 5. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. 
And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living, the only. Come on, at both of our locations today, everybody shout, only. That, that's very key. The only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Everybody else was evil, wicked, lying, lustful, full of pride and envy and jealousy and rage, except for Noah. When everybody else was going left, Noah was going right. When everybody else was bowing down, Noah was standing up for God. And we all come to a point in life where we will either go forward and experience all God has for our life, or we will go backwards and hinder what God has for our life. And oftentimes it hinges on our willingness to stand alone for God. I can think about my own life and I've had defining moments. I've, I've had pivotal moments. I've had but God moments. And I can connect many of my defining moments to my willingness to stand alone for God. I grew up in a little small town called Weewoka, Oklahoma. If you try to find it on the map, it's by Wilika, Watumka, Sasakwa, Bowlegs, and Holdenville. And I was growing up in my little small town, three, 4,000 people. I grew up in a home of dysfunction. I grew up in a home where there was a lot of tension and anger and hostility and, and violence, gambling addiction, alcohol addiction, a lot of tension in our home. At the age of 13, I was sexually abused by a lady for several months. I was scared. I was of shame. I was hurting and bitter and spiraled into addiction. I never told my parents. I was afraid to tell my parents of what had happened to me. And a couple of years later, my, my mom, my brother and sister, I'll never forget the day when my mom was leaving my dad it was that morning my dad went to work and me, my brother and sister loaded down my mom's car with everything that we could. And my brother and sister got in the car with my mom and they moved to Rochester, New York. And my mom had a sister there living and she was moving on to move in with her to reestablish her life. And I was really close to my mom. She took care of us and helped us with homework and was just really there for us. And I was a mama's boy, but I decided to stay back because I wanted to play football and play college football and have an opportunity to, to get a football scholarship. So I stayed back in, in Wewoka and watched my brother, sister, and mom drive away. And I was left there that day. 
when my dad got home from work to tell my dad the news that my mom, brother, and sister had moved to Rochester, New York. And I'll never forget that first Christmas. It was the fall when my mom left, and I woke up that first Christmas morning holding my pillow, crying my eyes out. It was the first Christmas without my family. And it was the first time in my life I ever thought, is life really worth living? I was angry. I was filled with hostility and hate in my heart and bitterness. And the one thing I had going for me was, was football, was athletics. I was a pretty good athlete. And, and even that began to unravel on me because one day I found myself in a shouting match with my coach after football practice. And I know he had good intentions with, in, in mind for me as he was talking to me, but I was so angry and I was so full of rage. I said, you don't know what my life is like. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. And the other football players are looking at me and wondering what in the world is wrong with Herbert. It was my senior year of high school. School had just started. Football practice had just started. And it was a Thursday night after football practice. I was being recruited to play college football. And my dream is coming to pass. And there was a coach from the East Coast that was down in Oklahoma that had a meeting set up with me and my dad in our home to share with me about the football program and to recruit me to their university. And he called me on the phone after football practice and said, hey, Herbert, I'm not going to be able to make it from Oklahoma City down to Ewoka and, and to meet with your dad. I'm, I'm stuck in Oklahoma City, and, but I'll be there tomorrow morning, and I'll pull you out of school and, and share with you about our program. And I was disappointed because I was so looking forward to this meeting that night. And so I had the night free, and I had heard that there was a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting at the football locker room. And and I didn't really care anything about fellowship of Christian athletes. I, I didn't care anything about God or Jesus or I didn't care anything about fellowship. But I heard at the football locker room they were going to be serving free pizza. Come on, somebody. Coop will show up for free pizza. And so I got in my not Nissan Datsun pickup, painted maroon with bass speakers in the back, and I rolled up to the locker room, boom, 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 and I thought I was cool. You remember George Jefferson, some of you do back in the day, and I walked in like George Jefferson, you know the song, I'm too sexy for my shirt, I'm too sexy for my shirt, and I walked in, captain of the football team, so cool, and got my pizza, ate my pizza, and I sat down on the football locker with all of the other players. And Todd Thompson, the former kicker for the Oklahoma Sooners, he sat in a chair that night, and he spoke in a monotone voice, and he shared the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins. He rose again, that he had a plan for our life that he would forgive us of all of our sins and all of our mistakes and all of our issues. And that night in a football locker room, I had an experience, and I call it a but God moment, where Jesus Christ radically changed my life. It was in a football locker room 
with all the other football players around, I made a decision. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. As a senior in high school, captain of the football team, I don't care if they make fun of me. I began to cry. Tears streamed down my face, and I said yes to Jesus Christ in that locker room that night, and my life has never been the same. I got back in that Nissan maroon pickup and I drove back home. I got my cassette tapes, that filthy music, and I began to destroy those cassette tapes at home. I know some of you are like, what are cassette tapes? Hang with me anyways. Hang with me. But I destroyed those cassette tapes and I began to serve God radically. I, I went to school that next week. And friends, can I tell you, I began to carry my Bible with me. I was a senior. I was student council president, captain of the football team. I didn't care what anybody else. I was one of those obnoxious, radical Christians. I carried my Bible to school. I began to stand up for God. I got a new group of friends. And I'm telling you, it all hinged on the fact that I was willing to stand Alone for God. I went off to college my freshman year. My dream was coming to pass. I was playing college football on a scholarship in the state of Arkansas, and I showed up my freshman year, and, and nobody knew that I had given my life to Christ. Nobody knew that I was just on fire, teenagers for Jesus Christ, and I showed up my freshman year, two-a-day practice, underclassmen, freshmen. I could just fit in. I could just blend in, and I can remember in the fall playing college ball, and on Friday night, before a home football game. The football players would go out and chase the girls and go party and, and, and they would say, hey, Coop, are you going with us tonight? And I can remember I had a decision to make. Do I fit in with all the other football players or do I stand alone for God? And I made up in my mind, I'm not compromising. It was a defining moment in my life when I said, if I got to stand for Jesus all by myself, I'm going to stand up for him. And I said, guys, I can't go with you. And I would get in my little Mazda MX-3 car. I upgraded somebody, yeah. And I got in my Mazda MX-3 till green car, and I would drive and go pick up Whoppers at Burger King. Two Whoppers with cheese for 99 cents a piece. Come on, somebody. That's all I could afford, but I would eat those Whoppers and drive, and I would listen to In Christ Alone. I put my trust, and right there in that college university town, it was a defining moment in my life where I stood alone for God. And my college football player teammates, they began to call me Rev at the age of 18 and 19 because I was standing alone for God. And some of you are in a place in your life where God wants to give you a but God moment. He wants to give you a defining moment in your life, and it will hinge on your ability and your willingness to stand alone for God. For some of you, it's some of your family members. They're compromising. They're not living by biblical values, and they're trying to sway you. They're trying to get you to compromise the word of God. They're trying to get you to compromise on your biblical convictions and, 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 and the values that you believe in. And now you're at a crossroads. Are you going to go their way? Or are you going to stand alone for God? For some of you, it's at your workplace. It's with some of your friends at school. Everybody is just negative. 
Every time you go to work, it's just ne- everybody's negative. And you have the opportunity to, to chime in and to be negative, but you have to make, in your, make up your mind, I'm going to stand alone for God. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be light. I'm going to be salt. I'm going to go against what everybody else is doing, and I'm going to speak positive about this workplace and the boss and the job. For some of you, and some of your friends, and some of your family members, the people around you have just decided to be average. I'm going to be an average husband, be an average wife. I'm going to be an average parent. I'm going to be an average employee. I'm going to be an average employer. I'm going to be an average Christian. I'm going to be an average grandparent. And you've got to make up your mind that if I've got to stand all by myself, I am not going to live an average life. I'm going to be who God's called me to be. I'm going to be the best daddy, the best mama, the best husband, the best wife, the best employee, the best employer. I'm going to be the best radical student for Jesus Christ. I will not be average. And the Bible says, and Noah was the only blameless person in his generation. And verse 8 says, Noah found favor with the Lord. Because when you'll stand up for Jesus Christ, even if you have to stand by yourself, God will put his favor all over Your life, just look at your neighbor right now and say, I don't think he's preaching to me, but I know he's talking to you today. Go ahead and tell him, I know, I know this is for you. Oh, yeah. Point number two, point number two, do not be afraid. Number two is this, do not be afraid to make a difference. Do not be afraid to make a difference. Let me say this to you today. The Highlands location, Denham Springs location, let me say this to you. You are making a bigger difference than you realize. You are making a bigger difference than you realize. The Bible says this about Noah in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. If he did not spare the ancient world, ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Noah spent 120 years building a boat and preaching building a boat and preaching, building a boat and preaching. It says this about Noah in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Think about this. Noah preached for 120 years and nobody got saved except for his family. Nobody else turned to God. 120 years of preaching, and nobody else gets on the ark. As a preacher of the gospel, that verse makes me feel good about myself. 120 years of preaching, and Noah has to be thinking, I'm not making a difference. Nobody's listening to me. They're actually making fun of me. 
I am building a boat and I'm trying to preach and even tell the people I grew up with and the very people I grew up with, my closest friends, they won't even listen to me. They are ridiculing me. I am building a boat. It does not look like I'm making a difference. It looks like I'm making a mess. Friends, can I tell you, oftentimes when you're making a difference, it does not look like you're making a difference. I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes when you're making the biggest difference, it does not look like you're making a difference. Oftentimes it can look like you're making a mess. Friends, when Noah was building this boat, he had no lows to get lumber from. There was no Home Depot. I know some of you are going to think this is blasphemy when I say this, but there was no Walmart. <laughs> Noah had to get his own tools and make his own tools, and then he was cutting down trees everywhere. Trees are falling everywhere. Limbs are everywhere. Tools are laid out everywhere. Noah is preaching, and it does not look like he's making a difference. It looks like he's making a mess. How many of you would agree with me that sometimes life can be messy? I remember back in February of 2014, my only little daughter, my little baby girl, got sick. She got so sick, she was vomiting, she was having diarrhea. It, it was horrible watching my little girl. She vomited so much, she was dry heaving. There's nothing like seeing your little girl. You know, those, those, those boys I got, those three boys, they get sick. Boy, tough it up. But my little girl gets sick. And she is literally dry heaving. It's bad. She's dry heaving and crying at the same time. I'm like, what is that? And I know you don't know me well, but I'm a germaphobe. I got, I got germex everywhere. I got germex you know not of. Man, I'm a, I'm a germaphobe. I'm like, what cover has she touched? I'm not touching it. Did she just sit on the couch there? I'm not sitting there. I begin to talk to my wife. Honey, take care of your child. I mean, something's wrong with her. And the next thing you know, my wife and one of my sons get sick. And they're vomiting and they have diarrhea. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And how many of you men know it's one thing when we're sick because we're a bunch of babies, but when your wife gets sick, how is the world going to continue to operate? What are we going to do? You're sick? I'm thinking she's sick and she is, it's, it's bad. And she's so sick, I begin to pray for her. I'm praying, Lord, please speak to Tiffany about sleeping on the couch tonight because I cannot get sick. This is bad. It's bad. And then another one of my son gets it. He's sick. And I'm thinking, this is horrible. It's going through the whole house. Just me and one of my sons does not get sick. And it's Friday, and everybody's better now. And all day Friday, all is good. And then all day Saturday, we're having a great family day. All day Sunday, we're good. We go to church. I preach at the church that I pastor. And, man, we get home after church, have great lunch and family time. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, my stomach begins to talk to me. 
Oh, I'm like, what in the world? It's the worst sickness I ever had. HPC, I am not trying to be vulgar or gross you out. I am just trying to be real and transparent with you. It is the first time ever in my life I am holding a bowl and it's coming out of both ends at the same time. Oh my goodness! Ah! Oh God, what is this? It is horrible. Healing Place Church, have you ever had it happen in life where it's coming out of both ends at the same time? You have to file for bankruptcy and then your car breaks down. You're going through a divorce, then your kids are acting crazy. You get laid off from your job and then you get a bad doctor's report. Your friend stabs you in the back and then your washing machine breaks down. You're thinking it's coming out of both ends at the same time. And I love Jesus. I pray. I tithe. I read my Bible. It doesn't look like I'm making a difference. It looks like I'm making a mess. But even when it looks like in life everything is messy and it looks like you're making a mess, if you will stay faithful to God and keep building the boat, you're making a bigger difference than you think you are. Friends, can I tell you, it didn't look like Noah was making a difference, but Noah made a big difference. Noah made a tremendous difference for his family. Because one man stayed faithful to build the boat, he saved his entire family. I'm going to tell you what, that's worth building the boat if you can save your family. He made a tremendous difference. Because one man stayed faithful to build the boat. Friends, can I tell you, all the animals were saved. You better thank God for Noah. How many of you have a pet at home? Lift your hand up at all the locations. Come on. Yeah, that's not enough of you. You're not playing my game. How many of you like to eat meat? Raise your hand. Come on, where they come on. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you better thank God for Noah. If it wasn't for Noah, all you would eat is seafood. I thank God for catfish. I thank God for shrimp. And I thank God for crab. But come on, sometimes a brother wants steak medium. Sometimes I want some ribs with extra barbecue sauce. Sometimes I want some pork chops, pig feet, chitlins. I'm about to preach today. You better thank God for Noah. Friends, if it wasn't for Noah, you and I wouldn't be here today. Because one man stayed faithful to build the boat. He spared and reserved the entire human race. Because when it looked like he was making a mess, he was actually making a difference. 
and I'm talking to somebody today that you're discouraged about what's going on in your life, would you stay faithful to build the boat? You stay faithful to be a great husband, a great wife. You stay faithful to keep raising those children. You stay faithful at your place of employment. You stay faithful to church. You stay faithful to tithe. You stay faithful to your small group. You stay faithful to serve in the ministry. You stay faithful to pray and to read your Bible every day. You stay faithful to live a life of integrity. You stay faithful to build the boat when everything around you looks messy. You just stay faithful to build the boat because if you'll stay faithful to build the boat, you're going to make a bigger difference than you realize. Because oftentimes, when you're making a difference, it does not look like you're making a difference. Point number three is this. Number three is this. Number three is this. Do not be afraid to step out in faith. Do not be afraid to step out in faith. One of the most powerful things about Noah's life is he wasn't afraid to step out in faith. Healing Place Church, Noah built a humongous boat that was actually bigger and taller than a four-story building. It was as long and wide as one and a half football fields. Noah built the first Royal Caribbean cruise ship. He's a bad mama jamma. And so many people miss out on God moving powerfully in their life because they won't step out in faith. Don't allow the fear of the past, the fear of failure, or the fear of people to stop you from stepping out in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 says this about Noah. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. In what area of your life is God speaking to you today, asking you to obey him? Maybe it's to forgive someone or to start the business or to go to college or to go back to college get your master's degree, your doctor's degree, maybe it's to apply for the job or to start the small group or to start tithing or maybe serving in the kids' ministry or to invite someone to church. What area of your life is God speaking to you to step out in faith? And the scripture goes on to say in verse 7, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. Notice this, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah obeyed God and stepped out in faith and built a boat. And, and the Bible says he, he had to step out in faith. Some scholars believe when you study this portion of Scripture that when Noah built the boat, he had no idea what rain was. I wasn't living there at the time, so I can't tell you. But some scholars believe he didn't know what rain was. He heard God say, I'm going to flood the earth. God wants to flood. Build the boat, Noah. And Noah stepped out in faith and built the boat and had no idea. Some scholars say what a flood even was. But he stepped out in faith and obeyed God. What area of your life is God telling you to step out in faith? And can I tell you, I have never regretted stepping out in faith and obeying God. I've experienced so many but God moments. 
because I've stepped out in faith. I don't regret at the age of 17 in a football locker room stepping out in faith and giving my life to Jesus Christ. I don't regret at the age of 18 years old stepping out in faith at 17 and 18, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the time I was 18 and 19 and 20 years old, I was traveling and speaking and preaching out. I don't regret stepping out in faith with no ministerial background, no connections. My daddy mama was not in ministry, but I just stepped out in faith and began to obey God and traveled all across America and around the world by just stepping out in faith. I don't regret marrying my wife at the age of 22 years old, stepping out in faith. I don't regret starting a church at the age of 26 with no knowledge, with no know-how. I just stepped out in faith. What area of your life, what area of your life is God telling you today? Step out in faith. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to us today. Oh God, there's so much you want to do in us and through us. And God, I pray today that we will not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I believe you're whispering that in our hearts today. Do not be afraid. Move in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.